Hello and welcome to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, Broncos beat reporter for The Athletic. It is Wednesday, September 13th. The Broncos are uh, preparing for their week two game against the Washington Commanders. Um, and we have a great guest lined up here to who, who we will get to in just a second, Nikki Jabala, um, my longtime colleague, longtime friend, who you guys know well as somebody who covered this Broncos team for a long time and is now covering the Commanders at the post. So we will, uh, we're excited to have Nikki on here in just a minute. Um, but want to cover a little bit of what's going on with the Broncos this week. Um, of course, we, we had uh, we had our pot after the game, got into a lot of the the issues that the Broncos faced in that 17 to 16 loss. Um, and, and now the issue they're dealing with um, once again is injuries. Uh, Caden Stearns, who hurt his knee in that game, is going to be out for the season. He, he went on to IR officially on Wednesday uh, in a corresponding move. The Broncos uh, signed Lil Jordan Humphrey, who, who was a practice squad wide receiver, but got elevated for Sunday's game, caught a touchdown pass from Russell Wilson. He's now a member of the active roster um, going into week two. The Broncos are also dealing with an injury to their top pass-catching tight end, Greg Dulcich. He went out right at the end of the second quarter on Sunday with a hamstring injury, the same one that bothered him last year and ultimately forced him to miss seven games. Um, he is not going on IR as of as of Wednesday. The Broncos, I think, are going to try to kind of um, you know rehab that, help him get back potentially before that that required four-week window um, that an IR trip would uh, would have with it. Um, so potentially he could get back. Um, you know, maybe in two or three weeks, but, but again, that that's to be decided It all is going to depend on how he responds to the treatment that he is, uh, unfortunately kind of familiar with at this point, given what he went through last year. Um, you know, again, Sean Payton talked about, uh, he's talked about a couple times coming off of Sunday was the lack of explosive plays. The Broncos only attempted, uh, two passes of 20 or more air yards and Russell Wilson, and, and I'll have this in a piece tomorrow at the athletic. Um, you know, identifying some of the issues that, that occurred that, that prevented them from getting some of those big hit plays. He averaged four yards, uh, four air yards per pass attempt on Sunday. It was the lowest of his career in 190 regular season and playoff games. Um, obviously, the, the Raiders were, were playing a lot of too high coverage, a lot of soft shell coverage that, that was aimed at trying to take away some of these deep shots. But, but that's going to continue, uh, especially a team like the Commanders that has the ability to, to get after you up front. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, the Broncos are going to have to run the ball effectively. We saw a start of that on Sunday, that, you know, 22 carries, 93 yards, um, you know, a lot of good stuff from Javante Williams and Samaje Ryan in their first game together. And I think that was probably the most encouraging thing you saw from Denver's offense but that's going to have to take another step so that you can start forcing that defense to make decisions, to start having a safety come down so that you can create some more of these big shots. It would certainly help to have Jerry Judy back. He practiced again on Wednesday. Obviously he had three limited practices last week in our, in our brief window that we get to watch at practice. He was a little bit more active than he was in those windows last week. Sean Payton said today that Judy was close to playing Sunday against the Raiders. But ultimately, after having an on-field workout, they decided to wait at least another week. Um, not, not official that he will play. And again, he was listed as limited today. Um, so they'll have to continue to see how he responds to an uptick in his workload. Um, but, but, but would certainly benefit from having him because he's a guy that can get into some of those spaces in the zone and force you to bring safeties up 
and create some deep shots for for potentially a guy like Marvin Mims or or Philip Dorsett uh, if he's called up this week as well. So um, those are the things I think we'll be looking for. But the, I think the main thing for the Broncos in this game is facing this commander's defensive line. Um, you know, with with a bevy of former first round picks who got after the Cardinals in a major way, had ten tackles for loss, uh, and that doesn't even include their three sacks that they had. That that group really sort of swung the tide in their week one win. Here's what Sean Payton had to say about that group that the Broncos will face on Sunday afternoon in Denver. Yeah, I, they create a lot of minus plays. I mean, just looking at the cutups, um, you'll see second and twelves. Um, I'm not even talking about rushing the passer just within the framework of the run game. Um, they're real active, they're athletic. Um, you know, all of those guys have had obviously great college careers. A lot of them are first round draft picks that, that are playing well. And the defense kind of feeds off that. Um, so they're a handful. I mean, they're, you, you gotta look closely at what you wanna do in the running game and then certainly in the protections as well. Okay, and welcome back to Not Another Bucking Podcast. Thrilled to be joined by our guest this week, Nikki Jabvala from the Washington Post. But you know her, I'm sure, formerly of the Denver Post, of The Athletic. She covered the Broncos for a long time. And now in your fourth season covering the Commanders? Yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm flies. I'm getting old. I know. That's the same with me because you, you left here in right before the 2020 season. And that's yeah. when I started covering the Broncos. And somehow it's this is the fourth season since then. Um, it all blurs together, but Nikki, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Um, very excited that you're going to be coming out here, um, this weekend. Uh, what, what's just your general, um, you know, it's not every day that the, the job gets to take you to someplace like fun and that, you know, people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to get a free home cooked meal courtesy <laughs> of my parents. Thanks mom. Thanks dad. I'll be home shortly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's where you come out a little bit early and 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 get that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're excited to have you out. Are, is your is your whole family going to come over and all that? Um, I don't think my sister will be there, but my brother, yeah, mom, dad, brother. Okay. You know, three out of four isn't bad. Is your sister going to say? I know your sister's got the pretzel thing that she's doing. She's going to send. Yeah, and she's going to be at Oktoberfest in Breckenridge. Nice. So okay. I got ditched for Oktoberfest. <laughs> I get it. I well, get I mean, it. if your game is pretzels, then I mean, it's kind of a, it's it's sort of like a Super Bowl. That's yeah, that's that's where you got to be. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, Nikki, we'll we'll get it. I just want to talk a little bit about this game and then and then some other stuff um, as well. But um, you know, the, the clip we just came in on was was Sean Payton talking today about that front line for the Commanders. And my goodness, they they just changed a game on, on Sunday. Um, what, what, what did you find so impressive having been around them and certainly knowing what that group is capable of, but, but what they did on, on Sunday? Yeah, I feel lucky because I came in with the context of that 2015 defense from the Broncos, which is one of the best units I've ever covered. Um, this line is, I'd say the line is very, very good in Washington. I mean, they don't have the secondary like Denver did, but this line is, when healthy, um, and I don't expect Chase Young to play in this game, but maybe he'll surprise me. When healthy, um, it's all first-round picks. Chase Young and Montez Sweat at the end, and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne at tackle. Um, and these last couple of seasons in Del Rio's system, they really come into their own. Um, they just play so well together. And all, the three of them, Sweat, Payne, and Allen, are just physical freaks. 
Yeah. I mean, Deron Payne has one of the quickest get-offs I've seen of anybody, and he's ginormous. Uh, John Allen is just, he just runs over people, and Montez Sweat is just, he looks like a power forward, um, but thicker. I mean, yeah. he has like, I think he still has like one of the longest wingspans among D-linemen. He had the record for the fastest 40 at the combine for a D-lineman. I think he ran like a 4-4. It's insane. Um, so they're able to do things just in their familiarity with each other, but also their God-given physical traits. So yeah. they're they're fun to watch. Um, maybe not if you're an opposing fan, but um, or the opposing quarterback. Opposing quarterback. Yeah, but they do they do wreck a lot of things. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Sean Payton said today, like, um, you know, he can always tell. He could turn on like film of a team playing um, red zone defense and, and automatically be able to say, Hey, that, that's a Del Rio defense. Like that his, his fronts are so easy to, to recognize in terms of his style. I got to imagine that at this stage in his career, as long as he's been around the game, this must be like a fun sort of chapter for him to be, to be working with these guys. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a lot of really talented players over the years. Yeah. So you go back to Oakland and Cleo Mack and, Vaughn and Elvis and Denver, like he's had some stacked defenses, but yeah, this line, he inherited this line of, you know, really the, the three first round picks that are playing now. And then they drafted chase right after, but yeah, he's got a, a really good group and he, he knows how to utilize them. Um, they do run a number of five man fronts and they got depth. I mean, John Ridgeway, who was a practice squad player with the Cowboys for a bit, I mean, they signed him off there, and he's been a steal. He's he's one of their rotational players inside. Um, just another huge human being who could double as a WWE wrestler. Um, they they have depth. They have guys that can step in. You know, not quite at the level of Sweat, Allen, and Payne, but they can spell them for a few snaps, give them a breather, kind of switch up the looks, um, and then they put him back in. So yeah, they, they, he's got a solid group to work with. Yeah. You know, in, on the, on the flip side, it's interesting, you know, the Broncos are this team for years that, that wanted to make it work with, with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. You covered a lot of those years. Ultimately they were rarely on the field together. And, and within the last two seasons, they've both been traded, both netted first. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Bradley Chubb netted a first round pick that got used to trade for Sean Payton, Von Miller, netted a second third round pick that ultimately allowed them to trade other assets for for Russell Wilson and so they get this the, the you know they get the quarterback he doesn't have the season they want but in the in the interim they they've sort of lost that pass rush and and in week 1 the Broncos had the lowest pressure rate of any team in the league didn't didn't sack Jimmy Garoppolo didn't breathe on him right. and the Commanders are a team that gave up six sacks on on Sunday and so I'm sure each unit in 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 their mind is saying, Hey, this is our chance now like to get this right because it didn't go so right in week one. What, right. what were some of the the issues that, that led to that for, for Sam Howell and that, and that commander's offense on Sunday? Oh, well, I think the biggest one that, you know, is Sam Howell is 22 and that was only a second start. I mean, he's not, he hasn't seen a lot of the things that he needs to see. That's just yeah. the reality of his situation. Um, you know, he's a smart player. He works hard. He can maybe turn into a good player, but he's still young and, and experienced at this point. 
Um, there have been concerns with the line too, no doubt. Um, the right side more than the left. They got Charles Leno returning as their left tackle. Um, and they have Sadiq Charles as their left guard this year. And he's, he's a really talented player. He hasn't been healthy, um, you know, for much of his career, but when healthy, he's a heck of a player. And Nick Gates, who came from the Giants, is now their center. Now on the right side, they, they moved Sam Cosme from tackle to guard. And he's, he played pretty well last game. Um, there are still some times where you can kind of see that he's adjusting to how much faster it is playing inside a guard. Um, and then at tackle, they brought in Andrew Wiley, who was in Kansas City with the enemy. Um, and then there have been some hiccups. They don't have very good depth, which is a concern. Um, so if there are any Knicks there, which Washington, I feel like every team has at some point on their offensive line, given how much they play, um, there could be problems. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of young quarterback, inexperienced yeah. quarterback, and, you know, a, a, an offensive line that is really playing together for the first time, really. Um, Gates, S- Sadiq is not new to the team, but new as a full-time starter. Cosme's new to the position and Wiley's new, so. Well, I mean, maybe maybe the commanders can do what um, the, the Broncos decided to do after giving up a franchise record 63 sacks last year. They just decided that they're not going to allow any sort of time um, for, for the defense to get there in that they're not going to attempt any passes uh, deep down the field. I think the stat nice. that stunned me was Russell Wilson's played in 190 games, including the playoffs. He had never averaged a lower air yard game than he did in week one. His average pass was four yards past the line of scrimmage. So that's apparently how the Broncos are trying to, um, you know, thwart that that pass protection issue that they had so much last year. But in turn, you get almost no explosive plays. What, Which was I mean, like the bread and butter for Russell Wilson. Has always been in his career. Cool. Great. What, awesome. what, is, what has been your, like, I know you still keep tabs where you can. What, like, what was your sort of big picture view, be it of, of last year and, and the way that the Broncos decided to, to address this, which was hire a guy in Sean Payton, who is one of the, probably the few coaches in the, in the league that was available that would kind of, you know, theoretically have that gravitas yeah. to come in and say, we're going to do it my way. Yeah, I feel like the league and teams are cyclical in everything they do, right? So pass first will eventually give way to, you know, more of a run-heavy offense, you know. It's just every five, ten years, um, coaches are recycled. Oh, you had a young coach, you have to go veteran. Oh, the veteran couldn't relate to the players, we have to go younger. It's the same thing. Um, I mean, listen, Sean Payton is obviously a proven coach. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. They, you know through the house at him with money. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and he's one where you, you think if he can't kind of correct the issues that are going on at quarterback and the rest of the offense, I mean, who, who can really, you know, yeah. right. Um, but I think this is also part of a bigger, not problem, but like, this is, this is how difficult it is to replace a franchise quarterback. You know, the Broncos are still trying to replace Peyton Manning. Washington has been trying to replace Kirk Cousins. I I mean, like, it's the Colts. Look what the Colts have been going through since Andrew Luck and Peyton. I mean, it is really freaking hard to find that guy. I mean, 
you're not going to find another Patrick Mahomes. And when he retires, what is it going to be like in Kansas City? It'll be like 2015 and earlier, right? Right. So that's part of it is there are only so many of these elite guys that everybody's chasing. And when it starts to fall off for those elite guys, it can go quickly as Denver knew with Peyton. As we, yeah, you, that's what the crazy thing, like 20, you know, 2014, you were obviously wasn't as explosive as 2013, but that's because 2013 was the, the one of the greatest offenses. setting. Yeah. Yeah. But 2014 was still to a large degree, like explosive and, and dynamic. Right. right. And then, Sure enough, 2015, that they look like they can barely, right. you know, function as Peyton Manning deals with these injuries. They they have Brock Osweiler come in. It's such a good point, and and to me that like sort of paints it, it's twofold. It paints why the Broncos would do what they did last year in terms of going out to get them for that very reason. They had been mm-hmm. through it. You documented so much of, I mean, the, the list that you would have. I, I sort so of, many of I like took it over years. when you left, like. When you when you were here, it was just like a modest seven or something quarterbacks yeah. or whatever. And it ended up being, I think, eleven starting quarterbacks between Peyton Manning and and now Russell Wilson. Eleven there, eight in Washington. Just yeah, I mean, add it to the tab. You know? <laughs> but but it's it, like you were talking about um trading away Malik and Vaughn. I mean, I still remember the Seattle Super Bowl when you know the the offense or the defense was annihilated and it prompted John Elway to spend big and build up the defense. Now they're taking away from the defense to rebuild the offense. It's same pattern over and over, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, and, and so it's just one of those things where you, you, you make these decisions, you, you try to have patience for as long as, as you can. And and I think both of these teams that are playing on Sunday at various times, you know, tried to do that. And Denver ultimately threw the big money, the big asset collection in order to, to fix it. And now it's, it's, you know, we're, um, you know, uh, 18 games into this now that the Russell Wilson era and the Broncos are, are five and 13. Um, it, it's just, it, it just goes to show you're absolutely right. It's just, it's not easy. Even, even when you just say, Hey, we're going to go get the guy that's done it a bunch, but you're right about the fall off. Like, look at like Matt Ryan, um, you know, that, that year with the Colts, they going into that training camp, they thought that was the perfect solution. Right. And it went, it went South almost right. immediately. It comes at you fast in this league. Oh, I know. I mean, the Jets, the latest example, you draft Zach Wilson to be the guy. He sucks. You get Aaron yeah. Rodgers. He's out after four snaps. I mean, these things are just, CNFL, got to adjust on the fly. Yeah, and it's the cruel part about it, because if, if you don't if you don't have one of those guys, like that, you know, that that's so much of it is just that you're, oh, yes. you're trying to piece everything else together, and then your margin for error is always almost nothing. Yeah. And and the patience too. I mean, like, I mean, we've talked about this countless times is they've rotated quarterbacks. I mean, you think back to Elway's rookie season. I mean, I don't, would Elway become Elway in this era? I don't, I don't know that he would because a team would move on too quickly. Right. His first two years, three years. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's such, it's such a good point there. There's no, there's no, patience you don't get a lot of time to figure it out um and and these young quarterbacks are often being coached by guys that have their jobs on the line because virtually every coach is has his job on the line with with very few exceptions um all the time but i think the patience thing is is a good segue to this other thing i want to talk to you about is and that's the ownership perspective of this game Mm -hmm. which is i think a neat component that you have the two um 
we'll just say youngest in terms of time on job ownership mm-hmm. groups in the league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the, the Walton Penner group came in last year wanting to be patient in terms of like, we are really going to take this as an observatory type year. We're going to, we're going to sit back. We're going to evaluate all these different components of the operation, both business wise and on the mm-hmm. field. And then you're crumbling to this five and 12 season. You get embarrassed on Christmas day to, um, in front of a national audience hanging out at home in their Christmas pajamas. And you decide the next day that you have to step in and you blow this up. Um, it, it happened fast. And, and I think more so than they, than they thought. But I think one of the things that that did is certainly, I think galvanize that group in, in a way that like they, there's not any doubt now that they, that they're in charge of what they're doing, that they are, are going to make decisions like that. They put a hundred million dollars of renovation in the stadium the day after the season. And I'm just curious, what has, what has Josh Harris's group signaled about how they want this first year to go versus what you've kind of been able to learn about maybe some of the things that, yeah. that they're, that they're eyeing for their first year. Yeah. A lot of the same things, you know, year one will be mostly observing, assessing, um, and I, I, I think everybody's aware of the circumstances, you know, the the staff and ownership included, like you want to see how this group operates so you can, you know, decide how you want to go about it next year. Um, but if they start, you know, one and five, you know, it's probably fair game for somebody to get canned, you know, like I don't think that would be a surprise to anybody, especially after three, you know, three losing seasons or three non-winning seasons three really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they, they've said we're, we're going to give everybody a fair chance and they've, they have, they haven't made any significant fires, mm-hmm. you know, to open the season. Now, part of it is the timing. I mean, they've, they closed on the team like five days before the start of training camp. There's only so much you can do in that span. And they've done quite a bit for like, stadium stuff which actually started you know before they finalized the takeover but you know they've they're doing what they can in the time but you know depending on how this season shakes out there could be a mass overhaul in the off season there could be some changes who knows yeah what what has been the 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 sort of um I guess availability to themselves. Like I didn't, um, didn't Josh Harris like buy round of, of beers for fans or something yeah. like that. I remember seeing something like that. What, what, what has just yeah. been sort of the public engagement that he's had so far? I mean, Josh Harris is on the greatest honeymoon of any sports <laughs> I mean, owner in the history yeah, of the world. Just simply by the fact that he is not Dan Snyder. I mean, the bar is set very low. I mean, yeah. he is getting away with things that, Oh my God. Like Pat Bowling show. Yeah. He they had a fan rally on Friday and he got up in front of a bunch of fans. He, he was, it was actually sort of endearing, you know, or he got up and accidentally said a few curse words and, <laughs> you know, he may or may not have had a drink or two before the game. And he just appeared that way anyway. Right, sure. um, I mean, if the insider got up there, Oh my God, it'd be insane. Yeah. You know? Um, or if he, you know, had that awkward handshake and instead of people laughing at it, people would go crazy, but he is not Dan Snyder. So that is okay. Now, if they start losing the leash will shorten a bit. Right. Um, but they've, 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 they understand, you know, what the market has 
wanted in an owner and what they've been missing in ownership. And that's, you know, showing no interest in or valuing the fan base, which is actually very loyal in Washington, despite their dwindling attendance. I mean, after 24 years, people can only take so much, right? right. Um, so they understand what has been missing. They've done a really good job of, of reaching out to the fan base trying to rebuild relationships with media and everybody else. Um, and, and you can see the difference. I mean, they had tons of fans at training camp, whereas before they had as many fans that you can count on one hand. Right. Um, the stadium was packed for the first time since I've been here. Um, and by packed, I mean with their own fans and not with the right. opponent's fans. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think they get it and they know like how – they know this is only the start. You got to keep winning. And this is, they didn't take on an easy project. They paid $6 billion for a very tall task. I yeah. mean, fixing the team is not going to be easy. Um, well, that was to me that the number was in, incredible to me, just because obviously we had seen the, the Penner Walton group buy the Broncos the previous yeah. August for what was then a record $4.65 billion. And, and, and Harris was one of the ones whose group, um, was was in the bidding for the Broncos originally, um, but it just—I mean—is that just the exploding market of of the NFL? Just—I mean, part of it again, times of inflation. But um, you know, that was the number ultimately surprised you, or, or did you guys in your reporting sort of think that that was going to be about what they what they went for? I, the league wanted seven billion, um, wow. and I think the belief is that the DC market is so lucrative. Um, I mean, that's like, kind of like a sleeping giant. Yeah. It's like, you know, one of the epicenters of the world, really, you know, um, certainly in politics, <laughs> um, in the United States, of course, but like that is such an underutilized market these last couple of decades and their fan base really is loyal. I mean, you think about, you know, Washington, their heyday at RFK, um, right. and what that experience was like. And I, I think the, you know, the, the value of the team is still there they lose a little bit because of you know the the facility's just decrepit and gross um and they got to build up the fan base again just in attendance and consistency but the foundation is there and it and it was a marquee franchise at one point um so yeah it does it is a lot of money for a pro sports franchise yeah. obviously um yeah. a lot of money for a a team that needs a lot of rebuilding too um but I, I think that's where the NFL is at these days. Well, all they all they have to do, Nikki, which we've discussed, is just go get a Patrick Mahomes, and then you'll yeah. turn you'll turn everything right. around. As we've chronicled, it's it's very it's very yeah. easy. Um, I'll let you go on this. What what are what are some of the things that that intrigue you about week week two? I mean, again, this is yeah. this is a Broncos team that if you know they drop to zero and two. With what they have on deck, you know, you, you play the, the Raiders and the Commanders, two teams that you think at home you're supposed to be able to beat, whereas the Commanders have a chance to go to get 2-0 and and, and be sort of um, off on really good footing in, in, um, in a conference that I think has an opportunity with some of those back-end wildcard spots to be grabbed. What what most intrigues you about Sunday? I think sort of the, the different states of the franchise. I mean, we talked on one about sort of having, you know, newish ownership groups. Yeah. And how the directions they're going with their franchise. You also got, you know, a, a veteran quarterback maybe on the end slope of his career and one that's just starting his career. Um, and then I, I think this is a game where you can really see like the 
the variance in skill players. I mean, Washington has a good receiving core, a very good receiving core. Um, De- I, I love Denver's running backs, and I'm not just saying that because I went to North Carolina and I really like Javante Williams. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, and you can see the difference there, but they're sort of in that same state of franchises trying to find their direction, trying to yeah. find their way. So um, the comparison there is interesting to me. And, of course, we've left out the most important storyline ever, that this is the Jarrett Stidham game. I mean, not that he's going to start, but right. the CEO of Harris Blitzer, that's his son-in-law. Oh, okay. So there's that crossover there. there so is. Okay, yeah. There you go. If that doesn't get people in the seats, I don't know what will. <laughs> that doesn't put butts in the seats, then. Yeah. Jarrett will. Stidham, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, um, Nikki, I, I can't wait to see you when you get out here. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. You know, the Broncos are honoring the the second Super Bowl team, which is kind of hilarious because they they honored the first Super Bowl team last year, and it's like ninety five percent the same guys. So like, you know, what what is it like two or three, four different players? <laughs> so they're gonna, you know, one party's fun. Why not have a second one? So they'll be they'll all be honoring that, and then of course. Um, DeMarcus Ware for his, um, you know, his Hall of Fame nice. recognition will happen um, during the Commanders game as well. So, so plenty of time, um, you know, plenty to see come Sunday afternoon. But so Mike Shanahan will be there. Mike Shanahan will be there. That's you Any know, bowl. let's go. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I was thinking about this. They're honoring Super Bowl Thirty Three, right? Yeah. And this is also what would it be? Sorry, I'm hard with numbers. Forty? How long? Forty-five years since um, Washington's Washington's blowout of the Broncos in that okay. Super Bowl. Yeah, same year. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. same anniversary. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, so they, they've had they've had that that past shared, and and it is um, yeah. I mean, these are franchises that had had glory years. Um, Broncos had them a little more recently, but in the NFL, when you go seven years without making the playoffs, six and a losing six in a row of losing records like yeah. you're not the super bowl franchise anymore like you like, that that glow is gone and and i'm with you i think this these are two teams like trying to find it um yeah. and you know sunday's just part of that story but it um certainly yeah. is going to be an interesting one how, yeah. how are the dogs nikki are they they're doing well the the boys are doing great they're passed out on the floor behind me um you know they're so living they're their quiet, best life. Quiet when you do this, when you when you sit and pot or usually no, they must like <laughs> the calming of your voice. Usually oh, they're okay. barking at some random person in the cul-de-sac yeah. or wrestling in the background. It looks like you know WWE back there with two dogs, but no, they are living their best life. So and they'll Glad to hear you. and they get to yeah. go to the sitters this weekend. Is that what happens? Puppy paradise. They'll be in puppy paradise okay. while I'll be in Denver. It'll be great. It'll be a vacation for both of us. You Good know. Deal. Well, great. Well, Nikki, thanks again. Um, and thank you all for, for listening to this episode of Not a, Another Bucking Podcast. Uh, please subscribe, give us a review, let us know what you think. Um, and until next time, thanks for listening.